Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Big Ticket Variety and iHeart's Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. This week, I sit down with two of the stars of It Chapter 2, Jessica Chastain and Sophia Lillis. Sophia reprises her role as young Beverly Marsh while Jessica plays her as an adult. Listen in to hear why Jessica got emotional during our chat. Plus, the Oscar winner is spilling details about starring as Tammy Faye Baker in an upcoming biopic about the late televangelist, co-starring one of my other favorites, Andrew Garfield. Then later, It and It Chapter 2 director Andy Muschietti on why the movie resonates so much today and why it should serve as a cautionary tale for future generations. I'll have all that and more on today's The Big Ticket. Stick around. Hey, y'all, what's up? It's Jess Hilarious, and I'm just making sure y'all know that I got a podcast called Carefully Reckless on the Black Effect Network. I'm going to be telling y'all all my business and telling y'all other people's business, too. It ain't no limits to the things I talk about. Y'all know that if y'all know me. From baby mama drama to healthy relationships, from child support to stimulus checks. Look, when you take a step back and you realize that we all go through crazy stuff and we got stories to tell, those situations do not define you. But they do make for a real good conversation. <laughs> In a world where clickbait and cancel culture can tell your story before you do, I'm creating an outlet to remind people that we still human crazy and we can all laugh about it. Don't stress over it. Bring your problems to me. I promise I won't judge you, but I might crack a joke or two. Don't be scared. It'll be respectful and messy at the same time. Just make sure you tune in. Listen to Carefully Reckless every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Now here's Jessica Chastain and Sophia Lilith. Hi. Hi. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Jessica. Hi, darling. So I'm looking at the young and the old. It's kind of oh, rare. Oh, thanks a lot. The young and the old. Did I say you were the... The adult <laughs> losers and the young... Lo- <laughs> <laughs> so when did you first meet? Day one. Uh, day one was uh, the uh, read-through, the uh, yep. script reading. I was so nervous. There Why? were a lot more people than I expected it to be. Oh, really? You didn't know we were all going to be there? I, I, I did. I just didn't really kind of visualize everyone being there until I walked in and there was a lot of people. <laughs> what did you think when you heard that Jessica Chastain was going to play the adult version of you? I was happy. Uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I always wanted her to play me. So you're saying this now you're That's next so to me. What do you mean? Tell um, me. I always, I always say, you know, I, I never said this with her right next to me. So it's weird. I can't it. wait to hear what you're about to say. Uh, uh, since day one, uh, uh, I was talking to Andy Muschietti, who's the director, and he, uh, um, we were talking about who would probably play. It was weird to, to say that <laughs> on the first day of shooting it one, but... Uh, we mentioned you, and you've worked with him. You pretty much look like me, and also you're you're an amazing actress. So I just thought you'd be great for this role, and, and oh, you are. Thanks. So. Well, you you created her. <laughs> thanks. So how how does it feel to take a role that someone did create, and now you're the adult version? So you have to take part. I love that you're using adult, not adult. old. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Um, Old is relative. Um. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, it's great. I mean, as an actor, what you normally do is you have to create all of that stuff in your imagination. You know, where, what was my character's childhood like? You know, all of those things that you have to make up. And I got the first movie, so I got to watch Soap's beautiful 
performance and um, how spunky and fiery and intelligent and brave that um, her Beverly was. And, and so she did a lot of my homework for me. <laughs> so what is it? What does it represent? That's a deep question. I think it's different for each person. Um, our film deals a lot with the childhood trauma and adults coming to terms with it. With it. <laughs> so I guess it could mean child, the trauma of your childhood. Uh, Beverly comes to terms with uh, what she has always thought love was, um, which was something that was painful and tormented and confusing because the person that she loved the most in the world hurt her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a pattern that she repeats throughout her life. Um, and so for me, her coming to terms with it is her coming to terms with breaking that pattern. Great. Uh, <laughs> I guess because it was a childhood trauma, uh, it basically represented present trauma, trauma. <laughs> trauma yeah. of growing up, um, fears that you have as a kid. And um, uh, my dad being one of them. Um, and uh, it was more of it kind of helped the losers realize that um, they can they are even though they're kids um, being kids doesn't mean being weak being kids mm-hmm. means there's a chance uh, have they have a life ahead of them and it is just one of the obstacles they have to face um, so I guess that's what it represents and then this is obviously is a fun horror movie it's a popcorn movie but it deals with some Serious domestic violence, homophobia, body yeah. body issues. Do you expect a horror movie to deal with that? The reason why I think Stephen King is the king of this genre <laughs> is because uh, he writes psychological horror. So mm. the monster usually is spawned from human. You know, it's mm. inside of us. You look at Pet Cemetery. You look at Misery. It's like we can become our worst enemies sometimes. And he wrote uh, the novel of It because a hate crime was committed in his childhood town. And that darkness uh, he wanted to explore. Um, And that's the first scene in our film, actually. That's why it was so important that that scene is in the film. When I saw that first scene, it was really hard to watch. I mean, that is brutal, and I think it's going to be hard to watch for anyone. But Mm -hmm. as a gay man sitting there with his husband, it was hard. Yep. Why did we need that scene? I don't want, it's going to be hard to talk about this without crying. Um, I think you need that scene because, I mean, he writes about the darkness that is under the surface. So the dirt under the fingernails, mm-hmm. right, um, mm-hmm. of these small towns or of mankind. And, and that's what it represents right mm. is the is in hiding that um, darkness of human behavior I think it was important to see Adrian's scene and not to change it you know change from what it is from the novel because I think we're living in a time right now where it is very much part of our culture and part of our conversation and we haven't moved past it mm. um, and so we can't pretend that it doesn't still exist because it's part of our everyday is it hard for you to watch? 
I haven't watched it yet. I haven't <laughs> heard about it, so uh, I feel like yeah, it's going to be really hard to watch. But um, was it hard for you, like in the scene with them, when you're saying, "I would never be with a fat Is that I hard know. to do? It, oh, it was. God. It was terrible because it was <laughs> like I. It's like the complete opposite, you know. Right. Um, and it's not Beverly. It's not Beverly, though. No. that's the thing. Beverly would never ever say that. Um, so yeah, it was a little little hard, but uh, you know we all know it's part of the acting business, and um, in real life, she would never and I would never say that. So what kind of pressure is there to live up to the first it? I mean, it did well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love being part of an ensemble film because there's no pressure. I mean, I, I'm sure the studio has pressure. Maybe <laughs> they like they want to make us they want to make money like they made for the first film, but. I'm really happy to be part of this story, to be working with Andy again, to be um, continuing this beautiful performance that Soap gave. And um, I kind of feel like, oh, all right, <laughs> hope you guys like it. <laughs> and covered in fake oh, blood. Geez, I know. Swimming in it. So much of this film is about <laughs> the childhood traumas, right? right? And what it represents your greatest fear. and. What we saw so great in the first film, Beverly is like on the cusp of becoming a woman. You know, you see mm. like her in the pharmacy um, and you see her father saying, are you still my little girl? And this idea of like sexuality, what does it mean to become a woman? Mm. And so I think, you know, yes, it's a it, visually it's incredible. It's such a like for a hor the horror genre, all of this, but it, it just represents so much about what it is to be a woman. What was in that stuff, though? What did they? It, I don't know. It was really gross. It was like slimy. Was sweet. Was that the one? They used different types of blood. This so. was not the one that you put. This is not uh -oh. the one that you want to taste. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it, it felt mm. like. Um, I'm trying to figure out a. a how old are you? I can't really. You know what I mean? It was like a um, fat. Got it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yep. So, um, but that with red dye. I'll tell you later. Um, and uh, that's another question about yeah, another super slimy. That, yep, slimy. Yeah, slimy. Petroleum jelly. Okay, got it. But thinner. Got it. Um, that's what they use for uh, the hair scene when it gets on my hand. They really? Used hand like they used homemade lube for. Oh well, hair. hey. <laughs> hand. Um, so she said it. I could have said it. Slip off. I don't know. That's exactly, it was like swimming in a vat of lube. Yeah. <laughs> Died red. Died red, yeah. yeah. Mm. So is it dead? Yes. Well, do we want to give spoilers? No, that's what I'm asking. Do you think it is dead? At the beginning of the film or the end of the film? End of the film. I'm not giving away spoiler, Mark. It's not spoiler. It is a spoiler. <laughs> is it? Is yes. It? Is it? Based, are you asking if there's going to be an It 3? Yes. No, there's not. I don't think there is. Or if there is, it won't be with me. Why and not? it won't be with Andy. Why because Stephen King didn't write an It 3. <laughs> the, the, the book's done. But Stephen King could be If writing. he decides to write another chapter, great. But most likely, it'll be, another, it'll be 27 years later, so there'll be another actress. Yeah, it's true. So who do you want to play you in 27 years from now, since you've already picked Jessica? Oh, mm. no, I, is, do I still have to pick? <laughs> you were good at it. Late 60s. Oh, I, <laughs> late 60s. Is that Susan Sarandon? Could be Susan. 
Sissy Spacek. That'd be two on the nose. Would it? She's kind of amazing. I mean, she's. I carry. I she know, carry. but we don't have She's to already been covered in that blood. <laughs> How much fun is it, though, running around in a movie like this? Just screaming, and I know a lot of it is green screen and you're not seeing it, but is it fun? Most of this movie wasn't green screen. Really? Yeah, there was a lot of practical sets, more than I imagined that there would be. I was exhausted. I mean, honestly, I was exhausted. <laughs> I was sick so much. I, you know, at one point I, I kind of cut open the front of my shin. I was super sick the day that we filmed the quarry scene. And Barbara, who's the producer, took me to the hospital to try to get me like a B12 shot and all this stuff. And um, and then I just jumped in that cold water. I mean, it really How was. How do you get through it when you are sick? Because I was sick earlier this mm. week. I can't get out of bed. How do you people do it? You can get like out of bed. Human. You could, you could. Because those B12 shots, my doctor says, no, are not real. I know, it's not. And actually, I didn't have one that day. Um, but it's just, I don't know, I guess I'm just used to, I've never taken a day off work. Never kinda, once. You can't, you can't. Yeah. Really, with, with, I was actually thinking about this. Usually you can at least somehow get your way off work. But with acting, you can't just say, I'm taking, you know, I'm taking a day off. You, Really can't do that. <laughs> yeah, there's so many people that are there to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, of course, if there's a emergency, but we kind of learn how to like we learn like it, even if we're not feeling well, to just the show must go on. So now I have to ask you about another show, Tammy Faye. <gasps> I have you have no idea. No, you have no idea the photo I'm going to show you right now. Is it you and her? Maybe. So do you know who Tammy Faye Baker is? She was a televangelist who created PTL with her husband, Jim Baker. <gasps> Look at that! So that's her, and I'm gonna play her next. Oh, no way. And do you know who's playing Jim Baker? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Oh my God, look at you. Your hair is- I know, my hair is- Oh, wow. You are working it. <laughs> that was oh God, probably- I spent a day with her when the documentary came out. Really? Yeah. So you're gonna do your own singing? I did it already. You did it already? I did already? my pre-records. I did um, seven songs. And I worked with Dave Cobb, who's the producer who did um, A Star Is Born. That was super scary. Yeah, so I've done, I've done seven of her songs. And then we start filming October 31st. So now you did make your singing debut by singing Me Happy Birthday at the Critics' <laughs> Choice. So I will take credit for you getting the role. There you go. Um, Praise be. So singing gospels, huh? I know, Tammy Faye Gospels, so you know. <laughs> come on, you just give me some. You something. really want me to sing, come on. You're gonna yes. have to wait, wait until the movie. I wanna uh, see the makeup tests. Yeah, that's gonna be exciting. Cause I'm she had it all tattooed oh, on. Yeah, cause she had her makeup tattooed on her face later in life. I mean, she really was a character. Um, you should watch a documentary. RuPaul narrated her doc documentary and I got the rights to play her in 2012 um, when I, after Zero Dark Thirty came out, I, I re-watched the documentary with on TV and I was like, why has no one ever done a movie about her? So I bought the rights for five, I think it was like $5,000 and um, didn't have a production company or anything and then like worked forever to try to get it to happen and now it's happening. It's amazing. Wow. Well, I can't wait. I love Because I've been waiting to show you that photo. <laughs> oh, honey. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Thanks. not scaring me. <laughs> I know we're going now. <laughs> there's no one under the table. I teased you. I sure. told him that someone was going to jump out and scare him. But no one did.
That was It Chapter 2 stars Jessica Chastain and Sophia Lillis. Now we have another quick break, but when we come back, IT director Andy Muschietti. Find out what he says when I ask him about rumors he's directing this standalone The Flash movie. Lancaster, South Carolina is in the middle of not much. But growing up nearby, I knew it as the hometown of a black man named Jim Duncan, who became a Super Bowl hero. Duncan, up to the 15, the 20. Now my new podcast, Return Man, I'll discover that his death still makes no sense at all. The story was that my brother went into the police station, took a gun off a police officer, and shot himself in the head. Most people don't believe that. For the past three years at the Rock Hill Herald, I've looked back at a story that's timelier than ever. Breaking news. Don't shoot! Have you got some time to talk? It involves race, the mental state of the person, and a town that was scared to death to say anything. Listen to Return Man on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you took away the date and time, could you imagine that happening today? Yes, you can. And now here's It and It Chapter 2 director, Andy Muschietti. So this is creepy. (laughs) Not as creepy as the movie. (laughs) This whole set of where are we? I don't even know what part of L.A. we're in. No, it doesn't look like LA, does it? Well, when I, I looked it up on a map or, you know, on Google or whatever, and I thought maybe you filmed here, because it looks like you could have. When I was walking here, I thought of fantasy, I, I started fantasizing about make, remaking Chapter 2 in this little town. <laughs> it would be like a, you know, television, cheap television version. Of, a little of streaming. <laughs> so the pressure yeah. to live up to one. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me you're not feeling any pressure. There was none, believe me. It was it was uh, it was self-inflicted. So why did you do that? Why did you self-inflict yourself? Well, because you want to you want to make a, a a movie that stands up to you know your own expectations. Uh, I always you know it's the only way to actually like approach a, a movie, an adaptation, whatever whatever that the movie is, whether it's an adaptation or, or original. Uh, you're sort of trying to please yourself. And that's not a, 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 from, a selfish, from a selfish point of view. It's just like you are the only uh, person that you know from the inside. <laughs> so, and especially in a, when it comes to an adaptation of a book that is so beloved, so loved by, by so many people, um, you cannot meet the expectations of everyone. Uh, and if you, you know, sort of like get swept in everyone's, you know, requests or expectations, <laughs> then you're going to be very confused. Right. <laughs> and I have, a, I have a, a story, I have a history with this book, a history of love with this book, and I feel things uh, for this story and these characters. So for me, it was, was mostly about, uh, you know, drawing from my own personal emotional experience mm. uh, at the time of finding the vision for what the movie would be. So the pressure, again, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was more something like a personal thing. The yeah. movie obviously is not just dealing with it coming back, yeah. but you have domestic violence, mm-hmm. homophobia, mm-hmm. body shaming. Mm-hmm. These are, this is heavy stuff for, you know, people mm-hmm. maybe thinking they're just going to go to a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, you know, more mature themes, if you will. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were like, so, some of them were, like, uh, hinted in the, in the first one. Not just hinted, you know. They were part of right. a of a very, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, odysseys of the of the kids. Uh, this movie is, uh, you know, it, it, it has the same tone of the sec of the first one, regarding, you know, emotion, horror, and 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 comedy. Mm. It might be a little intensified, for sure, but I think the themes are are more mature, as you as you said. And you know, we were talking about the fears of a bunch of of, of this bunch of characters, but as adults. So the perspective is a little, you know, uh, more uh, mature, and it talks about, you know, deeper layers of, of fear um, that are mostly related to childhood trauma and the way it, you know, evolves uh, into the life of someone that is actually suppressing it. Mm. And those are all those themes are, you know, are very relevant to to the to the times that we are living today, and I think that people can identify with some of them. Let's talk about that opening scene. Yeah. That was tough. I was sitting there with my husband, and we looked away. Mm -hmm. Why did you include it? Well, it was very, like, it was very important to me, um, because it's, it, it, it is of relevance. Um, I wouldn't probably have included it if it wasn't in the book, but it was very important for Stephen King when he wrote it. I was talking about the evil element in in a human community, mm. uh, so let alone the the supernatural. He was talking about how dark you know human humans can get in a in a small American town. Um, he was writing it when the you know the real event happened, you know, the murder of, of Charlie Howard in 1984. Um, for me, it was important to include it because it's it's something that we still are, are you know suffering. Uh, it's uh, if a, it's of relevance. Hate crimes are still happening, uh, no matter how evolved we think that you know this society is is going to. There seems to be always like a like a winding back, and especially in this day and age where like you know, these old um, values seems to be emerging from the darkness. Hmm. Uh, the rise of fascism, again, is probably one of my, my deepest fear as an adult. Hmm. And, uh, and it's worrying, it's worrying. And uh, I think there's a, some assimilation of the monster in this movie to the monsters uh, in power in this day and age. Who do you think our biggest it is right now? Um, people in power. Mm. Mm -hmm. So th is that what it represents? I think it does, yeah. If you see it under the light of this of, of these time and age, mm -hmm. I mean, if you think of, of the monster that basically is trying to divide and, uh, and turn people into each other um, for personal profit, it's just like, you know, it's very easy to see, mm. um, you know, how that uh, relates to, you know, the situation that we're living now. Hmm. Do you think they have... Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Do you think they're... Do you think... Let's say someone else was... Someone else was elected mm -hmm. the president of this country. Mm -hmm. Do you think the movie would have more humor? Um, no, because this happened already. Mm -hmm. So, 
This probably it will it will live. This movie will live as a probably as a cautionary tale. Uh, if history itself is not enough, because we tend to, you know, to repeat uh, yeah. our errors. Um, I don't want to be too like pretentious about this, but uh, um, if this movie, you know, transcends as a as a generational, you know, uh, art piece, <laughs> it sounds pretentious already. <laughs> as much as I would like to. Um, I want I want you know people to know what what I think of the subtext of it. The Flash. What could you tell me? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the Flash is great. Flash Are you a great. fan of The Flash? I am now. <laughs> <laughs> When will you be allowed to talk about it? In a couple of months, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But thanks for asking. No, I can't wait. Of course, I have to ask. But great movie, okay, scared the hell out of me. Thanks so um, much. My husband was laughing because I'm a jumper, oh, so yeah. I was jumping, and he, he just kept laughing. There yeah. was, yeah. yeah, there was. It really, mm -hmm. like I said, like I don't expect to go to the horror movie and see, mm -hmm. like I said, homophobia, domestic mm -hmm. violence. Like mm -hmm. when Jessica's getting beat up. Mm -hmm. I know. Well, it's, it's a, really tough to watch. I know, I know. But you know, there's something in the in the in the spirit of the of the of the story that if you don't like dig that deep, you know, mm -hmm. you saw it in the miniseries. In the miniseries, it's like, yeah, well, right, because they couldn't they couldn't go that deep. But this is like, you know, I want to like really really make justice to to what the story is, and it's a, it's the death of the characters. And I love that Jessica took off her ring, put the <laughs> ring down, said I'm out. We were that was a discussion. Uh, At the, on the day, should she leave it? Should she not? Should she leave it? And I finally said, yeah, she leave it. Because um, if you show, like one of you know of the of the considerations was uh, if she puts down her ring right there, she's already like solving something that she's supposed to uh, to be fighting all all through the all through her journey. But really, really, her journey wasn't about that. It was more about like actually finding love in someone that did not abuse her, which was, you know, her recurring uh, pattern cycle. Uh, so it was okay for her to leave the, <laughs> the ring there. Awesome. And it's a great shot, also. It's a great shot. <laughs> and a big white shot into a pool. I'm telling you, we made a lot of takes. <laughs> awesome, Andy. Thank you so much. That was It and It Chapter 2 director Andy Muschietti. Thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Now, coming up next week, I'm scaring up some more fun with more It Chapter 2 stars, Bill Hader and James McAvoy. And don't forget, if you want to watch my Big Ticket interviews, you can check them out at Variety.com. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. That's it for now. See you next week. Bye.